Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It takes a pandemic. Okay, you fill in the rest. For instance, it takes a pandemic for me to finally clean out my desk. Right, um, it takes a pandemic to start reading that pile of New Yorkers. Uh, it takes a pandemic for me to finally learn to fake. Well, for audiences of live performance, it takes a pandemic to cherish our actors and musicians. With our great jazz venues and theaters closed, live performance has stopped. But actors and musicians continue to create. They have to. It's who they are. For this Hunker Down podcast, I talk with these artists who perform for a living about how social distancing is affecting their work now and when this is all over. About their dedication to the art of live performance. Ladies and gentlemen, Newark, New Jersey. Comes our tenor saxophonist, David Schnitter. David Schnitter, ladies and gentlemen. David Schnitter is a master jazz tenor saxophonist who early in his career played in Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. That was from 1974 to 1979. And during a stellar career, has worked with Frank Foster, Charles Ireland, Grove Holmes, Freddie Hubbard, and a host of other jazz greats. He has performed in the major jazz venues in New York City and around the world. And last year, David recorded a CD in Barcelona, Spain, to be released in 2020. One more time, we have to thank Joel Bernstein, for inviting David Schnitter on Hunker Down. So here we here we go. Thank you very much, David Schnitter, for joining us on Hunker Down. How how, how are you getting along? Uh, um, you know, socially distanced and hunkering down. Uh-huh. Well, actually, I'm uh, yeah, I'm getting uh, getting along pretty good. Anyway, I'm I'm hunkered and and bunkered. <laughs> and uh, so and, do you uh, do you get out at all? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I go out every day and. I have to walk uh, to the other other building and uh, I play a little, right. and I come back here. So, so you, you a little bit, and I go shopping, and uh, sometimes I have to go take the bus someplace, you know. Right. So I can uh, I do that too, you know. I, I know you live in Midtown, right? Yeah. So sometimes you go out into the into the uh, courtyard and you play. Oh no, I got a uh, playing uh, a friend of mine uh, has an apartment in the other building. Right. And I play because I can't really play in my house. I got real, uh, really lousy neighbors. I got it. Wow. It seems like really lousy neighbors. That sounds odd. It seems you like they, they, pay, they, they would pay you to play. If you were my neighbor, yeah. I'd say, come on, let's play some well, more. These people, you know, even through the pandemic, they don't want to uh, bang on the walls, you know, and I, I don't even play loud, you know. Yeah. To tell you the truth, it's, a, it's, a, it's really a shame. 
because these people are, I had to go to court three times, you know? Do they know who three you times, are? And it was a kangaroo court, uh, the HBD, you know? Wow. And they said uh, at that time there were practice rooms being built and they're downstairs. And I've used, used this uh, court case uh, was in 2003 and, three, uh, and 2004. So for 16, no, 17 years, I haven't played in my apartment, really. Wow. And it's the same neighbors? The same neighbors. Now, if they uh, weren't there, that, that, that would be no problem because I play in the other person's house in the other building. Wow. And no neighbors. See, you see, I've been in this building for about 40, 42 years. Yeah. At Independence <laughs> Plaza, right? It's called Manhattan Plaza. Manhattan Plaza, right. I'm thinking of the other one downtown, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's West that's, Bed. That's called West Bed downtown. Yeah. Kind of amazing. I guess they don't know who you are. Well, they know. <laughs> it doesn't matter to them. They, you know, they're, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's just uh, uh, ironic that this place was built for, for, for performing artists. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they're uh, really anti-artists. Well. Not everyone, not everyone. I just ran it. It's all the luck of your neighbors. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. Since yeah. I'm the only musician in, 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 the, in, in the two buildings that has this judgment against me. And I can't blame my house. So, so that's, a, and it's, that's and, the story to make a long story yeah. short. And it's been that. So that, that was even before the pandemic. So let's, let's, let's talk oh, about Oh, yeah. It started yeah. 16 years ago. Wow. Uh, let's let's but talk now little... with the pandemic. It should be a, a different situation. Yeah, people should be a lot more understanding. But you exactly, know, people are people. You uh, you were born in Newark, right? Yeah. What What did your parents do? I was born in Newark. Yeah. What What were, mm-hmm. your, what were your parents into? Well, my father uh, he worked in uh, Lionel Trains. Get out! You mean yeah, the little, little... Lionel Trains? Absolutely, I love them. I was just uh, bought a set for my grandson. You did? Yeah. Well, he worked. He worked in a factory repairing them. Wow. Were you Were you big on train Most sets? Did life. you have Did you have a big? I never train had a train set in my life. <laughs> I never had a train set. Seems like Dad, bring home a train set. <laughs> wow. He works in a Lionel factory and he doesn't bring home trains. That's not right. That's not right. So how how did you? Yeah. Uh, how did you get interested in uh, in music at, at a young age? I know you started with the clarinet, and then you moved over to the sax. Yeah. So what what was it yeah, that I got started, you started? Yeah, I started uh, in uh, fourth grade or so. I was about nine years old, I think. Yeah. What was the decision to? At, uh, I think you uh, right at fifteen, you moved over to the saxophone. What pushed you in that direction? Well, I like the saxophone uh, also too, and uh, and I. I Started hearing, uh, you know, well, I, I heard jazz uh, and other kind of things uh, before 15. You know, I heard, uh, I played a little bit of uh, sort of Dixieland yeah. on the clarinet. But I was really a classical clarinet student. That's where, I, you know, I, I was uh, uh, emphasizing my uh, my energy in, in uh, classical clarinet. And then I uh, took up the saxophone, too, and played uh Played all over, uh, all over a lot of uh, rock bands and R&B stuff, and you know this is uh, in the late fifties or I mean sixties. Uh, yeah. yeah, when I was in high school, right? Started right. started doing that. So, you but were... I continue with the clarinet. Yeah. 
Do you still play the clarinet at all? Do you ever pick it up? Oh, no. No. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't even have a mouthpiece. I wish I did. Right. But uh, I don't have a mouthpiece. You started with classical, uh, and then you moved over to jazz. Why, at that early age, did you prefer jazz, do you think? And do you play classical? Uh, No. No. No, I I don't play. But I... Later on, I became a, a, a composer too, you know. So I, I have written uh, some classical uh, things, you know, like fugues and uh, some contemporary classical things too, like uh, twelve tone pieces, wow. string quartet. Yeah. And uh, so I, I enjoyed. No, I mean music is music. You know what I mean? Where, music where, is music. Yeah. It's, it's either good or it's uh, not good. Where did you get your your formal education in music? Was it was it at high school or later? Well, I had some private uh, private studies with uh, with uh, some some very very fine teachers uh, on clarinet. Uh, Joe Allard, who taught uh, a lot of people, who taught it at all the schools. But I went to uh, I got my BA in a, in a teachers' college, uh, New Jersey State University, and then I subbed when I got out of there in about 1970. What, what, to what? keep some money money coming in, and Absolutely. then I uh, uh, after after I did that, uh, I was playing uh, you know gigs, all kind of, kind of things, and and uh, that's how I uh, uh, started uh, to meet people and jazz musicians, and we play all the time. And uh, one of the clubs that I played at uh, it was called Boomers on Bleecker Street. And 10th Street. A lot of people came in. Uh, actually, I was get, I had gone in and uh, started sitting in with, uh, with people like Joe Newman and uh, and things. And uh, one and, and uh, the they offered me after uh, offered uh, offered me a Sunday night or one night a week, something like that. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where how I kind of got started because uh, I was still living in Newark. I'd have this little Volkswagen, you know? Yeah. Yellow Volkswagen convertible going back and forth into the city, you know? And did and then one night Art Blakey came in and uh and uh asked me uh, if I'd like to join his band, you know? Before we get get to uh to Blakey, who was influential? Who were you listening to at that time? Well, uh, uh you know, my influence uh, influences changed it from time to time, uh, but I was uh Basically, I was listening to, uh, you know, Charlie Parker in, in those days when I was young, uh, young, and I still, still listen. I, I think he's the greatest. Uh, well, he's a, he's a genius, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, the the greatest melodic player uh, that we we've had in the twentieth century. Right. You know, uh, and. Uh, just melodicism and virtuosity, uh, you know, combined in uh, what a what a what a great mind. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Charlie Parker, Sonny Rollins, Dexter Gordon, uh, everybody, the whole history, Coleman Hawkins, Lester Young, you know, Lucky Thompson. I, you know, I listened to everybody, at, and uh, Wayne Shorter, Joe Henderson, and uh, and of course John Coltrane. Uh, later, later. Uh, uh, I mean, not only influence, but really kind of, and uh, you know, listening to him and sort of see, you know, thinking about what is he doing mm-hmm. and how is he doing it, you know? Right, right. And um, uh, take, I, dissecting it and uh, taking it apart, you know? 
Yeah. And so you, you uh, were that's a, how I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you were a very you were a very young man at the time, and uh, Blakey comes into your uh, to your club where you're playing. Did you expect him? No, 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 not at all, not at all. A lot of people came into that club though. Cedar Walton was there, uh, Sam Jones, uh, uh, some of the greats, uh, you know, uh, Clifford Jordan. Uh, uh, you know, it was a small place, too. It was small. They had some good food. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it, was a very, uh, it was a very nice environment, really. Uh, very, very, uh, they were very, very friendly and very supportive, you know? Yeah, so you so you're playing on Sundays. That that was your your gig. Your yeah, gig I think uh, that was the day, the day I played. Yeah, right. And you have all these these big time names coming in, and that never kind of like threw you. Oh, sometimes yeah, I would uh, be nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah, but I I usually uh, calm down in, in this in the sets. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, at my moments. Yeah, I learned, learned how to do that. But you just try to do my. Do my best, you know, whatever it was. Well, but good. being, uh, what were you going to say? I'm I would say clearly you, you must have done something because Blakey took an interest in you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. He did take an interest in me. Well, he, he, had, he had taken interest in a lot of young players. Yes. I mean, that's one of the things that he was that he was known for. It's like, um, yeah. Uh, and what, what, what do you think he, he heard in you? I mean, when, when he came up, he heard something. Did, did yeah, you well, think he, about that? He, I, think, I think he heard my sound, you know? Yeah my sound and uh you know to tell you tell you the truth now i think about it uh although i've had all these influences uh in my life uh and it's uh, at, at, at certain moments so i had tried to sound like some of them but you know when it all uh, boiled down to it uh you can't uh you can't beat the original mm -hmm. and uh and that's one thing uh, Blakey taught me. You know, you try to, uh, as a matter of fact, right now, I think I'm playing more myself uh, than ever before. Than ever before, you know? So when you because, say you're uh, playing I'm, the original. I'm trying another, yeah, I'm trying, yeah. In other words, the vocabulary that I have now, uh, I think is uh, more, more me than... Uh, than ever before. Right. Then it, yeah, I, I, I know it is. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah. But I mean, Blakey had a certain sound. I mean, they all, well, he all, had a certain sound and the band had a certain sound and I fit in with that sound at that point. But I was quite young, you know, and uh, I mean, your spirit uh, is, is, it's going to be you no matter uh, what, what it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, you're still going to be yourself, you know? I, uh, so uh, that's what he heard. Could, could, I think that's what he heard, yeah. and uh, and uh, I'm very thankful for that. I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about the man that you were working for, Blakey. I mean, what was he like? Was he a kind leader? Was he strict? Oh, yeah, he could be very uh, strict, and he could be very uh, kind. And sometimes it uh, depends. Uh, he was human, you know. Sometimes he'd had uh, you know, spells where he would uh, not be so kind to the to the band you know he was as another word but he was a very strong leader yeah in in all, all of that you know he knew how to uh, lead a group and he knew it exactly what he wanted but you got to remember some yeah he was famous for picking up young musicians and, and and putting that thing 
well, uh, the first groups he had, he wasn't much older than them. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But as he grew older, he would get younger people, you know, when he was uh, 40 and, uh, you know, 50, he would pick up, uh, you know, 25 year old people or 20 year, you know, of course there's a 20 year age difference, but when he was 30, you know, he, it was closer. So he, and remember he had a big band, uh, Back then, uh, after playing with Billy Billy Eckstein, I think there's a, a record, uh, Art Blakey Big uh, Big Band. Yeah. I think uh, Coltrane uh, played in that band too. So it was, uh, yeah, he he uh, he knew the whole history. He played uh, with Billy Eckstein and Charlie Parker, Dexter Gordon. Uh, I forgot who the uh, baritone player, Leo Parker, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a the whole, Dizzy Gillespie, Pats Navarro. Uh, you know, that was the trumpet section, or part of the trumpet section. Yeah. So when you play with a person with all that history, and you, somebody once come, uh, told me that, and I, I think you're, you're getting a piece of all that history that he's experienced also, you know? Yeah. He's kind of giving it to you, and you're assimilating it. So it's a very... Very interesting uh, process that's uh, being uh, being uh, given to you. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know that. So, so you're, uh, you're tra- training under somebody like that. You're you're a very young man when you were working with Art Blakey. You must have realized how unique this was and how special it was to be at this very high level at a very young age. What what did that feel like? Well, it it, it just felt great. Yeah. It felt great, you know, felt great, you know, most of the time, you know. Yeah. And we were on the road all the all the time, you know. We were on the road 40, 42 weeks a year, you know what I mean, something like that, you know. It just kept on uh, going. It, it, when I first joined Blakey, though, we, we, uh, we, we, we weren't um, uh, working that much, but as, uh, as we got the, the – stabilization of the uh, band together with the thing. And I was also very fortunate, uh, I want to say, to work with uh, some of the greatest uh, sidemen, like Walter Davis Jr. Uh, on piano and uh, and Woody Shaw on trumpet for a, a few months. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, Walter was a couple of years. And and uh, you know other 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 people you know they so their their experience was really a gift yeah. too you know working with these uh, veteran musicians. By the way, I worked with Blakey for six years. Yeah, I was just want to talk about that. You were there from what like seventy four to eighty. You were with Art longer than any other tenor man that had yeah, been up, and, been with and, him up yeah, to that any point. Any other person, I think, any other sidemen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what? Not only saxophone, yeah, but I, I think I think that's that's accurate, you know. Right. What was it that happened in the late seventies that led you to leave Blakey's Orchestra, uh, Jazz Messengers? Well, uh, after six years, uh, you know, of playing uh, every every night, uh, I, I I wanted to move on, uh, you know, and uh, try something, you know some other other things musically and the traveling was you know it was it's it's pretty rough it's uh that's a that's a young man's game traveling man you know one-nighters you know and this and that and that's the work that's the hardest part of the job 
Talk about that. Why? Why? What about the traveling and the changing every night? I mean, night? the traveling. You know, you're changing trains and planes, and every day you're traveling six, seven hours a day, and then you get off the thing, you go to a hotel room, and then you got an hour or something to, you know, uh, come go back uh, and do a concert and get a sound a sound check and all that stuff, and it becomes, uh, you know, it's hard. That's the hardest part of the job. Right. And imagine as a young man, it's like you're kind of you're in for relationships. And uh, what do you have the time for that? Uh, yeah, you will say if you're married, it's a, that's a rough one. Yeah. And you have a family, you know, uh, which I didn't. But I did have a girlfriend. But uh, having. Uh, yeah, you're uh, that's uh, that's a good question. You know, it, it gets to be a uh, uh, gets to be a little uh, grind. Sometimes sometimes our our uh, spouses or our girlfriends would would travel with us, you know, and I mean, especially, uh, you know, sometimes Art would, uh, <clears throat> we travel by car across country, you know, yeah. and, uh, and cross country, uh, we'd stop, you know, say uh, from New York, we'd, we'd stop in uh, Michigan, mm-hmm. then go to Chicago, then go down to uh, New Orleans, and then go uh, across country, you know, uh, to uh, Texas, uh, although I didn't, uh, yeah, there, there was one. And and then, uh, you know, get to L.A. and down to San Francisco. That's how we did it. Yeah. I mean, one time, one time, I had the longest one I, I was ever on. I remember uh, I was, we were out for 17 weeks. Wow. 17 weeks. And going across, so, so seven of those weeks, were in uh, the United States, if I remember correctly, and about uh, 10 weeks uh, in Europe. And it, they were uh, concurrent with each other, you know? It sounds exhausting. Well, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. exhausting. That's why, that's why I wanted a little break, you know what I mean? And right. plus I wanted to maybe to do something a little, you know, more. But... Uh, uh, I mean, a little different, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And I did, and I did, you know. Right after that, in '81, uh, I got, I had to, uh, I was, um, I started playing with the great trumpet player uh, Freddie Hubbard. Right. Listen, before we so, get to, uh, before we get to Hubbard, now I do want to I do want to talk about that. Um, yeah. Of that period, uh, in, yeah. in the '70s, when you were with uh, Blakey. Is there any piece of music that we could play right now that would represent that period for you? Something that just jumps out at you right now? Some of his old, old, old hits, you know, like Tunisia Blues March. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Uranus, some of uh, Walter Davis's uh, tunes. Then and and and, and I want to want to mention uh, somebody else, if I if I can that I uh, left out uh, was my my uh, frontline partner Bill Hartman, who was a great great trumpet player. You know he was he never really got the recognition that he deserved, in my opinion. Yeah. And and a lot of people's opinions. You know he's one of the greats. He taught me an awful lot. 
because yeah. he was the first trumpet player that uh, I played with, and we like we uh, we stayed we stayed uh, uh, the front line for the band uh, for at least two years, two years, and uh, it was uh, Bill Hartman, myself. That was a quintet, and then then it was. Uh, and it was uh, uh, Walter Davis, uh, Ronnie Matthews on piano. Sometimes it was John Hicks, and uh, you know, and and uh, Chin Suzuki was the original uh, bass player uh, in that group. And uh, I was fortunate because these are the people I really—they uh, were veterans—and I, I got a chance to uh, to learn from, you know. Right. Right. As well as well as. Uh, Mr. Blakey. I'd imagine the who you play with is going to make a lot of difference of how you play. Were there any particulars, Hartman or one or one of the others you, you mentioned, that you felt really connected with, that there was a resonance between you that allowed you to say things that you couldn't say with other um, musicians? Well, I, I think they, no, they were all great. Uh, and each, each uh, musician uh, was... Uh, had his own uh, way of playing, his own sound, his own uh, individual stamp, and and of course, uh, you know that uh, that's what uh, you experience that, and uh, you start uh, uh, knowing what you want to hear. You know what I mean. So when you get out of the uh, the situation as a sideman, and you want to form your own group or play play with uh, the people, uh, you know, you choose. Well, you you have a a whole uh, model uh, and a sound in your head, and you want to put together. You know what I'm saying? Right. Saying. Did you? So, uh, uh, sure, sure. They help you develop that. Right. That cognizance. You know. Let's talk. Let's talk about the bands that you formed. But before that, I was interested in the term hard bop, which um, I assume you're still involved with. What is hard bop, or at least art? Blakey, Blakey's form of hard bop. Well, I, I don't know. Hard bop, soft bop. You know, I've, it's just the name they gave it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But it's just uh, uh, something in that bebop style that might be a, a through, uh, got that name through the 60s. Mm -hmm. You know, hard. You know, in, in the 40s, 50s, uh, it was, uh, you know, just coming on as another type of thing. But really, it's just a label. You know what I mean? And that's not important, you know, what 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 they were doing on the Blue Note records, you know, and uh, different different trumpet players, Charles Tolliver, Gary Bartz, those records, uh, you know, they gave it a label. But labels, you know, the labels, I I I, I don't like labels so much. Yeah, that's a useless that's a useless thing to to call this and that, and you know, you know, it's hard, you know, because hard, uh, you know. A hard-boiled egg and a soft-boiled egg. <laughs> Still an egg, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just what do you, what do you, what do you like better? You mentioned Charles Tolliver. He's a, a friend of ours. We've interviewed him several times, and uh, yeah. been to many of his concerts. Um, mostly his big band stuff, but some of the yeah. small stuff. Uh, he's a he's a great guy. I haven't talked to him in a long time. I hope he's, I hope he's okay. Um, I hope too, because uh, we 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 were uh, you know I'm on he was uh, on the faculty. At the new school, you know. Yeah. And uh, have you and, seen uh, him? Have you seen him around? And I'm, no, I haven't seen him lately. No. Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't. But he is a he's a he is a great guy. Yeah. And a great musician. Yeah. 
We were going to talk about bands that you formed. So after you left uh, Blake U with um, Hubbard, um, did did you uh, did you use that experience to move on to form your own band? Because I know you had your own bands. Well, yeah, I've had my own own band from time to time, and uh, at, at at that point, uh, Freddie, you know, he was playing all kinds of things like funk and uh, different uh, tunes and uh, and more modal things, and, and and yeah, so so that whole thing opened me up to another another type of thing and uh, remember he was the leader of that group he was a trumpet player yeah and before i was with art blakey he was a uh, he had another format that uh was definitely uh much different than freddie but they both fit uh, fit into uh jazz or whatever you want to call it you know so i mean everybody uh, had a different uh, thing but you know during that uh, whole 70s period uh, in 80s you know, the music is changing it into more funk things and all. Look at where it is now. Yeah. Where, where, where do you think it is now? Do you like it or what? I like the stuff that you did with Blakey back in the 70s. I've, uh, I've yeah. seen a lot of YouTubes with you at a much younger age, and I, I love the stuff you were doing in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and yeah, I, thank I, you. You come up with a new album that you did in, um, in Spain just recently. Uh, yeah. And that that's coming out soon, right? I hope so. Yeah, we just uh, sent it. Yeah, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be mastered uh, now, and now it's in. Uh, it's gonna be uh, put out on fresh sound. What is that sound? That's a completely different sound, and a lot of things, but a mixture of a uh, a mixture of the old and new, and and, and some uh, uh, different takes on some of the uh, standards. And uh, you're also a teacher. Uh, you're at the School of Jazz and Contemporary Music at the New School. We just talked about that. Charles Tolliver is also a, um, I guess, an artist in resident or an artist as mentor. Uh, how long have you been teaching there? 26 years. Wow. Wow. Do you enjoy teaching? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, what is it? I enjoy, I enjoy it more all the time. And I, I think I'm uh, becoming a better teacher uh, uh, because of that, you know, yeah. as, I, as I go on. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, teaching's not a not an easy thing to do, actually. And I don't, I don't take it lightly. And mentoring the young 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 students, young young people, it's a uh, it's a very important uh, job, I yeah. think. You know, the students that you have now and that you've had recently, do you, is there any that you pick out as there's an up and coming uh, uh, musician that's really going to go somewhere? Do you have any so, anyone like that now? Well, well, yeah. Let, let, let me put it, uh, say it like this. I've had some extremely talented, gifted uh, students on saxophone, and, and not only saxophone because I teach a, a theory and a theory performs. So I have all all uh, piano, bass, drums, uh, you know, singers. Uh, sometimes not so many. Uh, one year I had a really a gifted group where half of them were uh, Venezuelan. Hmm. A singer, uh, two two singers, uh, uh, a pianist, uh, and a trumpetist, a trumpet trumpet, uh, who was, I mean, the, these uh, young young musicians were so so talented, and uh, actually, uh, I just said they they did all their uh, originals, and because this class happened to be an ensemble class, mm-hmm. right? In, improv some ensemble was called. And but, this is uh, a few years ago, actually. It was in about 2015. 
and uh, you know, so they'd come in every week, and and uh, it was just uh, just a joy to hear them. And they bring in their own uh, compositions and stuff, and they really uh, knew what they were doing. And we we won uh, the Downbeat World Award that year uh, for uh, best uh, best uh, Latin ensemble. Do, are they together still? No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, not not as a group. But uh, after that, that was their their sophomore year or freshman year. Uh, it was a gift to uh, have had them, you know. Mm-hmm. But let me say say this to you uh, uh, right now. I mean, music is something, uh, you, you know, you don't go into music thinking you're going to uh, get famous. And if you do, that's the wrong reason. And if you do, uh, you don't go into music thinking that uh, you're going to make a lot of money. You better be, go to medical school and become a doctor if you think uh, like that or, or a stockbroker. Or some other thing, you know, that is about money, because uh, you see what's happening out here today. So uh, there's a lot of uh, things when you said, uh, is there anybody that's going to fly off? There's so many factors to uh, an individual's personality that uh, that can um, affect the way they uh, that will affect the way they uh, they see themselves, you know, uh, or, or or get along, how they get along with people, how easy are they? They they could be the most talented person in the world, but if they can't get get along with people and people on the bandstand or that, they're not going to work, mm. you know. Yeah. Or if they're this, so uh, there's personality traits. There's a lot of factors that go into uh, being the, uh, a successful uh, person, and that would. Uh, Hold true, I think, in any profession. I think it. I think it would. Um, you, you have, you have played uh, all over this city, in uh, all the major uh, jazz venues. Uh, we're now in the middle of uh, of a lockdown in which all of these places are closed. Uh, yes. do, do you feel that this um, this social distancing and the pandemic? Is it going to change the jazz scene in New York? I mean, New York had been the center of jazz. Is it going to continue to be? Well, uh, that's a good question, man. That's a very good question. Because personally, I think this is going to last a lot longer than we think it is. Mm-hmm. I think we got a few a few years in this. Mm. And what, so what truth. is it? So and uh, we and we may be uh, we may be on lockdown. Our whole economy may be down the drain. You know, I have no idea what's going to happen and of course the uh people running the uh, uh the uh running the show uh it has a large large part to do with that too but we 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 need a we need to be positive and i'm trying to stay positive but i i'll tell you uh uh i don't know if we're going to see new york the way it was ever again yeah yeah I really don't know. I I I, uh, I went into a, for a doctor's appointment uh, a few weeks ago. I had to have my uh, ears cleaned out. <laughs> he said the same thing. Uh, he doesn't know if this is uh, ever going to come back. You know, New York. Uh, New York is the uh, epicenter of, of of art and culture, and of course, jazz and a whole lot of uh, other things. But 
hey, this, uh, this, uh, what do you, what do you feel about it? Well, I mean, my experience of jazz, I mean, that's why Hunk Hunker Down is an attempt to talk to musicians and artists and actors about what is going to happen to their art. And I'm talking specifically about actors and musicians, because both of you, you are artists that feed off of each other. And, you know, you do have, uh, you know, yeah, people play yeah. by themselves, certainly in music and in, in theater. But yes. the really stuff that excites, I think, most of us about theater and yeah. music and jazz is the working together. And we're yeah. not working together now because you don't want right. to blow all that coronavirus through your sacks and have it, you know, like land on your audience. So what what's going yeah. to ha- what's going to happen to the development of jazz, the change of jazz, it happens in a mixture of people working together, yeah? Uh, well, it does uh, in a mixture of people working together, but not only working together, it happens individually, too. Yeah. You know, how but, do you think Coltrane evolved into what he was doing? He didn't evolve uh, all the time working with people. He involved, he was practicing 17 hours a day. Yeah, but if he didn't get together That's with someone... down. And what, what about Charlie Parker? Yeah. He worked, you know. He, you know, he he just did what wasn't born with that horn in his mouth. Mm-hmm. He uh, worked hard. He worked. Uh, he, he practiced eleven to fifteen hours a day at, at one point in his life. You know. Right. So is this a and time for, for about five, six years? You know, whatever it was, and then he played. You know, all the time too. What? So is this a time to kind of like? as we say, hunker down and really perfect your art? So, I mean, you have these young students. Well, if it, it depends. Yeah, I, w- I would think if you can do that. But this uh, this uh, pandemic also has a psychological effect on on, uh, on myself and, and, and a lot of other people, you know. Yeah. It's a very uh, dark cloud. Right. It's a dark cloud that's uh, hanging over us. I don't know, it, you know, because we're all... Uh, we're all uh, kind of uh, in limbo. It's like uh, th- th- things are hanging. Yeah, they're hanging. They didn't fall. And they didn't rise. You know, we don't know where where, where what's going to happen. You know, uh, I'm supposed to go, uh, go. You know, the teaching thing. You know, it's uh, all online. You know, okay, so it'll be online. We don't even know where 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 how many cl- classes. Uh, it's not the same before. They don't know how many students are going to be enrolled. Yep. Everything is up in the air. You know, institutions are, are going, going to be uh, having a, a hard time, you know, financially. David, David Schnitter, it's, uh, it's a delight uh, meeting you and talking to you, even though we're kind of ending up here on a dark note, um, <laughs> so, so to speak. Let's, let's hope it, it, it brightens up everything. You know, we all have to stay positive. That's that's a very important thing. Yep. That is the most important thing. You know, right? If we can stay positive through this, uh, we can we can stay positive through uh, through anything. How are your young your young artists? How are they feeling? Are they positive? Do they see a future? Are they? Uh, uh, well, you know, that's a good question too. But I haven't <laughs> I haven't really seen too many of my young art friends because they're. Uh, yeah, they're uh, hunkered down uh, wherever they live uh, in in, uh, in in across the uh, the Atlantic, yeah, in in Europe, and or or they're over uh, they're in San Francisco or, or wherever they are. Uh, you know, everybody's in their house. Yeah, uh, 
but uh, I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna they're they're gonna be fine. You know, I, I hope so. Good. You know, I, because I'm 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 glad uh, I'm glad that uh, all I can say is I'm glad I'm the age I am now. Because uh, having to go through this is uh, as a person in your twenties, that must be very, very difficult. You know. Yep. All that hope. So, and, yeah. 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 David, thank you. But so anyway, let's 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 all be uh, be be positive and hope for the best. Okay. Okay. Okay, sir. Pleasure meeting with you. And again, I thank Joel Bernstein for bringing us together. At that point, I asked David for a piece of music of his that we could play to kind of brighten up the moment. He wasn't able to think of anything right then, but he sent me an email a day later. And here is Art Blakey's Jazz Messenger's Blues March. (laughs) 